Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Anthropocene, the human epoch, is the third collaboration from Nicholas Dupontier, Edward Bertinsky, and Jennifer Beishwal and the last in a trilogy of films that includes manufactured landscapes and watermark. This documentary follows the research of an international body of scientists and the, the Anthropocene Working Group, who, after nearly 10 years of research, are arguing that the evidence shows that the Holocene Epoch, which started 11,700 years ago as the glaciers of the last ice age receded, gave way to the Anthropocene Epoch in the mid-20th century. Their argument is that humans have become the single most defining force on the planet and that the evidence for this is overwhelming. Terraforming of the earth through mining, urbanization, industrialization, and agriculture, the proliferation of dams, and diverting of waterways. And that is the premise, that is the question being asked by this terrific new documentary called Anthropocene, the Human Epoch, and we're joined today by Nicholas Dupontier, Edward Bertinsky, and Jennifer Beishwal. To all of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Hello. Hi. Great to be here. Hi. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start with you, Jennifer, and ask, uh, I just mentioned uh, manufactured landscapes and watermark. Is this film kind of a, a natural kind of arc to the story of Earth, or how did Anthropocene, the human epoch, come about? Well, we, we, we're sort of calling those three films a trilogy, even though they weren't intentionally so from the very beginning, because we didn't know that we would keep working together, but we, we kept sort of having things to do together. And it was actually um, during the U.S. release of Watermark, when Ed and I were in uh, Washington, that we were talking about whether to do another project. I said to him, what about the Anthropocene? Nobody knows what that word means. <laughs> and he said... Yes, you are right. That is a really difficult word. <laughs> Not yes, let's do it because it was it was kind of a daunting idea then and of course as as the years have gone on, we've seen how that word has has pervaded more and more into the vernacular in a really interesting way and our goal was to try to make it something that people were aware of more. This word that basically means humans are the dominant force on the planet and change the systems of the earth more than all natural processes combined. And of course, climate change is a huge sort of example of that. Um, in a way, this is kind of the culmination of, of all of the work. I mean, the Manufactured Landscapes was 13 years ago. This is kind of a culmination of all of the conversations we have had, the work we have done, um, about human influence on the earth. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that the the, the danger uh, that I felt five years ago of using the word Anthropocene and would people say is this a movie, um, you know, for me to go to or is this something for geologists or what is this thing? Um, we both ended up on the side of well, as artists and filmmakers, we can be part of the evangelizing of that word and. I felt kind of vindicated in Toronto when uh, across the streetcars going through the center of the city, 
was Anthropocene on the side of a streetcar going back and forth all day long. And I thought, okay, we are evangelizing that word. And people are going to look at that and say, why is that word being presented to me? And I think as the same in this release here, people are going to see the word. Many are probably not familiar with it, but hopefully with, you know, um, you know, through the distribution and the, and, and, and the social media channels and through all kinds of other ways of getting the word out there, people realize that this is the uh, the most important story unfolding on the planet. So, uh, so we do feel, uh, in a way, that that as um, artists and filmmakers, we can actually make a difference in trying to uh, get people to understand what this word means. Well, and I think the the film, just what you describe, I'll say it in a slightly different way, and that is, we just we first have to know what that word is, and th- and then hopefully the natural question from there moving forward is, what does that mean? And your film opens up that discussion, and that's that's really, uh, if for no other reason than the fact, other than the fact that it's a fantastic film, but at least it introduces it, it into the vernacular, and that's that is the first step. And it, it's a little bit frustrating for me as a human being to to kind of come to grips with the fact that we have been aware of the the impact humanity has had on the planet and in the ways that in it's just in the terms of fossil fuel for almost 40 years now and yet we're still in the process of educating people about the impact that human beings are having on the planet that is frustrating to me i just want to speak to that it feels right now like um this film i hope is part of uh, the last stage of this conversation of raising awareness. And I know there are huge swaths of society, so frustratingly so, who, who don't believe in science, who don't believe all of the world's scientists who are, who are sounding the alarm bells. Um, at, from this point on, I think, um, we need to move forward and we're going to leave some people behind and they will have to catch up because we don't have time to keep trying to bring everyone up to speed. Um, all the time. Uh, to us, I think this film it is about raising that consciousness, is about trying to um, uh, bring people to a point where they look at the situation and hopefully feel that they have to act and transform. And I think um, from now on going forward, the conversations have to be about what sort of positive transformations and what sort of solutions are we going to invoke uh, for a future that's livable. Right, right. I'll start this question with you, Jennifer, and open it up to uh, Nicholas and Edward as well. But both of your films prior to this, uh, Manufactured Landscapes and Watermarks, and this one in particular, is a film about scale. And one of the things that it just, the film drives home to me is, and the beauty of this film, is that you're able to give us a, a sense of the enormity of what is going on in the world. And also, you are able to bring it down into conversations with people who are living in these environments, in these systems. Um, I'm sure that was an important part of it, but let's talk about this idea of scale in relation to uh, the film. Well, you know, when we, we, it took us about a year, um, uh, you know, all together sort of scouring the earth for the most salient, powerful examples of the research categories of the Anthropocene scientists. Remember, this is a the the, the research of these scientists that, uh, that are the Anthropocene Working Group over 13 years, and they've just published this last year, Cambridge University Press. Um, they're 
investigation into human influence on the systems of the earth, we use their work as a starting point. So we had all of these sort of headings of, you know, terraforming, anthroturbation, extinction, all the things that are in the film, and thought, what is the best example of that on a big scale? And then also, what is the way that we can give that scale meaning, meaning through detail, through intimate moments, through single voices, through other species? Because I don't think you can understand scale unless, unless there is a juxtaposition with detail. And we kind of learned that in, in manufactured landscapes. Um, there was a real sense, I mean, when you're, when you're in these massive factories, if you're just looking at them from far away, you don't really understand them. You have to go in close to see the women who are making the spray mechanisms for irons, their faces as they're doing this repetitive work. That's what makes the big picture have meaning. And so from the very beginning in this work that we have done with Ed, the toggling back and forth between scale and detail has been a hugely important structural and formal element to the way that we tell those stories. Um, and I would say that that has informed uh, very much the way that we shoot and the way that we approached Anthropocene in all of these uh, environments and contexts. Edward, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to uh, add to that that uh, when we began uh, with manufactured landscapes, up in, uh, to that point, what I was looking at as an artist and then largely working with stills, and I was become, starting to become interested in, 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 in uh, having a, uh, a videographer alongside uh, these locations in China and Bangladesh. Um, but one of the things um, that my work was looking at as a still photographer was, you know, trying to find, uh, put a frame around the largest examples of humans' engagement in landscapes or in, in, in industry, whether it's ship breaking, so taking down the largest ships that have ever been built by humans, uh, like the oil tankers and going on location there, or you know, looking at the largest mines in the world. But I was looking at that collective impact. So as, and as a photographer, I was not all that um, uh, interested in going to look at the individual. The minute I, as a still photographer, I go deep into an individual, uh, it, be, it takes on a whole other kind of documentary uh, tradition that I was trying to keep more in a tableau tradition of my art. But when you know Jennifer came with with crew to uh, to China and and I saw what was happening and taking these kind of landscapes and then going in and finding the people uh, to tell their stories around these, I realized how the power of film can extend the context of these places and and and, and again, film can't actually you know stay in that disembodied place and I think keep people. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, into the film and drawn by through the film uh, and engaged with the film without that human connection. So, you know, it was a lot that I learned and saw and got excited about uh, in bringing some of these large-scale uh, places that I that I've been working with and, and giving them that extended context. So it was, uh, you know, to me uh, another way to to tell that story. Uh, Nicholas, uh, there there's a number of examples in in the film of what Edward's talking about and the the, the sort of the the human contact in here. 
a couple jumped out at me, but the the woman who worked with the elephants in Kenya, uh, and also the, the 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 man who was responsible for building the seawall in China to protect oil production, <laughs> which which these two <laughs> things are. One on one hand, you want to you want to assess blame. You want to blame people. You know, for what's happening. And yet, at the end of the day, we're all responsible in some manner of speaking. But those two examples kind of jump out at me sort of thinking about the film. Are there others for you, Nicholas, that sort of highlight what, what, you're, what you're talking about in the film? Dr. Winnie Carew, who's the wildlife biologist in Kenya, who really is almost single-handedly responsible for the ivory tusk burn. It was her... Uh, brainchild, and and you can imagine the inertia that she was up against uh, trying to convince the government to do this very controversial um, event and burn all of this confiscated ivory as a statement to poachers um, uh, worldwide and markets worldwide that there just is no market for ivory. There's no legal market for ivory. Um, she's a hero, and and. The human layer in the Anthropocene film, I think, is crucial because if we if we lose our humanity, we lose our hope. Yeah. Um, and there are examples for hope everywhere, even in these landscapes that we deliberately sought out to be the most devastating examples sometimes of of impact uh, of human impact on on the planet. And so, I think it the film has a layer that is aesthetic and experiential, um, but it's made deeper by our contact yeah. if we've been successful with people, like you say, who are just like us um, all around the world, sometimes working in these places who we are connected to. And the film wants to draw those connections, not to cast aspersions or to wag fingers, uh, something that's happening somewhere else, but to draw the connections for all of us because it, it's time. This is a planetary issue, and and uh, to to draw these lines around the world is important um, from human to human. Yeah. Well, and sorry, beyond human to human, it's about other species as well. It's about the species that we are driving to extinction. It's about the old growth trees that we're cutting down and the landscapes that we are destroying. It's about all, all of these things. Um, uh, play a, a big part, I think. Yeah. To, to that point, Jennifer, th- this is the point I make to people when we're talking about sig- the climate change, the, the, the fate of the earth. I, I, I often will say the planet is going to survive. The question is whether or not we as a functional civilization and a species are going to be able to move forward. And I, I don't know if that's being cruel or mean or if that's if that drives home the point but i I, the planet will survive with or without us well you know whenever people say and i don't mean to sound cynical here because i'm a parent um and i love my children very much and they're also rabid environmentalists thank god but um you know i kind of feel like if we really mess it up we don't deserve to survive as a species, mm. especially because of everything else that we're taking down with us. And when I say taking down all the other species, but also taking down so many people 
who are all around the planet who are so much less implicated. If we really worked out the percentage of people who were responsible for most of the destruction of the earth, it's not the people living in Dandora landfill. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the people who are living in the global north. It's, it's the Koch brothers. It's people who are captains of industry and corporations who are just um, driven by uh, profit. And, and so, I mean, we, our friends have said that until there's, there's, there's reform politically so that, 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 that those kind of voices cannot have influence because of money, that, that things won't change. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe we're at a tipping point. Yeah. Well, I want to thank uh, you all for being here today. And uh, one last thought in all of this, and that is uh, it's just sort of a basic, our, our, our desire to want to provide for our families, to move, you know, to essentially advance ourselves in, in our civilizations and our cultures and our communities. But I, until we figure out another way to define wealth instead mm-hmm. of wealth as an accumulation of assets, until we figure out a way to, to essentially categorize or, or talk about what wealth is in a different context, I think we are in many, many ways in, in deep trouble to try and figure out a way to to get out from under all of this. That's just my thoughts. I, I don't know how well, that we happens. Are, though. People are. Look at Greta coming across the ocean in a, in a sailboat. Like, you know, it's happening. There, yeah. There's, um, I, I think, I think we're, we're reaching a, a critical point, and I still have hope for the future and our species. All right. Well, I want to thank all three of you for this amazing film and for spending some time with us here on uh, film School Radio. The film is called Anthropocene, The Human Epoch, and we've been joined by Jennifer Beishwal, Edward Burdinsky, as well as Nicholas DePossier. Thank you all so much for spending some time with us today. I, I really appreciate it. I, appre- I appreciate your work. Thank you. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.